This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The scoop is the big 80. Hello, everyone. It is Scoop Podcast episode number 80. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. It is being taped on Monday evening, the 19th of June. I surely have some notes, but I think I will do an NBA draft intensive podcast middle of the week. That is my hope. My goal is hopefully whether it's Tuesday evening or Wednesday, although I have some Little League duties on Tuesday, maybe more so Wednesday, but my hope is before Thursday afternoon, maybe even Thursday morning, that I do an NBA draft-centric podcast. I will have a couple Wolves notes on this podcast. I'll have notes covering some of the other teams in town, but this podcast will be interview-heavy. Ryan Paling, NHL draft prospect, Sean Johnson, Twins director of scouting, plus Vikings assistant coaches Kennedy Palamalu and Daryl Hazel, the new running backs coach and new wide receivers coach. So we will go with four interviews during this podcast. First off, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. Thankfully, they are on board. They help keep the podcast going. It is Vine Park Brewery. Vinepark.com is the website. They are right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul. So you think about it, whether it's going to Wild Games, Lynx Games, Heck, maybe the Henley concert the other day, a different concert. You see it right there on West 7th on Twitter at Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and get this. Make your own wine with Vine Park's equipment with Vine Park's help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. You can brew your own beer or wine, then you take it home in 22-ounce bottles. Perfect for gifts, perfect for sharing. They have custom labels. It's perfect for parties, corporate events. They have all sorts of different flavors, pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, wheats, whatever you like. They will have the right recipe for you. Growlers are also available to take home of some of Vine Park's most popular recipes. They also have brew parties all summer long. Brew party nights include June 27th, Hopalicious, July 11th, Summer Mix, July 18th, British Mix, July 25th, German Mix. Their phone number, 651-228-1355. 651-228-1355. Again, the website, vinepark.com, Vine Park Brewery. I'm telling you, if you enjoy this podcast, support the sponsors of this podcast. In this case, it is Vine Park Brewery. All right, I will start with some Wolves notes. The news broke on Monday late afternoon. Yahoo Sports reporting that the Wolves and Bulls have had recent trade talks centered around Jimmy Butler. I am told that is a bit overstated. Now, we know that Tom Thibodeau thinks the world of Jimmy Butler. We can establish that. There were trade talks last summer. Presumably, there will be trade talks again. The Bulls, until they figure out what the heck they are doing, I think a lot of teams will be calling the Bulls saying, hey, what do you want for Jimmy Butler? 
Doesn't mean the Bulls will make a trade. I always say it is really hard to make trades in the NBA. Heck, all sports. I am told, though, that any reports of recent dialogue between Tom Thibodeau and the Bulls is false. Doesn't mean the talks won't take place soon, but I'm just telling you, my intel is those talks are overblown. So all the people blowing up my Twitter timeline, my advice, tweet the Yahoo folks. See what they say. But I'm just telling you, my intel is no recent dialogue between Chicago and Minnesota. On the Wolves draft pick, I will say this. I think they're still open for business. In fact, I was told by somebody inside Mayo Clinic Square, they're still open for business. Nothing is imminent as of Monday evening. So as of now, it looks like they will select seven, keep that guy that they take. But hey, again, they're open for business. So if the right offer comes in, they will weigh that offer. I talked with people with two teams that are within 10 picks of the Wolves. So they have a vested interest in the Wolves pick. They are trying to figure out what the Wolves will do. That will influence their draft pick, their draft board. Both these teams think they go Laurie Markinen from Arizona, the seven-foot shooter. He doesn't do much beyond shoot, but he's seven feet tall. He can stretch a defense. You think about the two-man game, him and Carl Anthony Towns. I think he will help an NBA team. The question is, can he rebound? Can he play even a lick of defense? But the offense is absolutely there. Really good player in his one year for Sean Miller at the University of Arizona. That means that Jonathan Isaac is off the board. Now, the Wolves never got that workout with Isaac. They did have Markkinen secretly in at Mayo Clinic Square in the last couple weeks, so they got an up-close look at Markkinen. Haven't heard how that workout went, but I'm telling you, in a 1-0 setting, the way he shoots the ball, I would be shocked if he didn't impress, at least with his shooting ability. Now, not having Isaac in for a workout, not that big of a deal. The big deal is... Do the Wolves have his medical information? I was told by a team in the lottery that they tried to get Jonathan Isaac's medical information. They failed. They did not get it from his camp. Now, the Wolves, with their connections to the Boston Celtics, Danny Ainge, Tom Thibodeau, you know, teams share information like that. So it's entirely possible the Wolves have Jonathan Isaac's medical info in the event he falls. But I do know that that was an issue for a team in the lottery that they could not get Jonathan Isaac's medical info. Regardless, the two teams within 10 picks of the Wolves tell me they both have, in no particular order, although we know Fultz will go one, Fultz, Ball, Tatum, Jackson, Fox, Isaac, all off the board. So that means Markinen on the board at seven. Malik Monk of Kentucky on the board at seven. You would have Dennis Smith Jr., the point guard from North Carolina State, on the board at seven, plus the point guard from France. On Smith Jr., Tom Thibodeau flew to Raleigh for a pro day last Thursday. So Dennis Smith Jr. never made it to Mayo Clinic Square for a workout. Not a controlled environment for the Wolves, but they did see him at his pro day late last week. Also on the Wolves and their draft, they had another draft workout. Again, they keep all these draft workouts on the down low. But on Friday, they had four guys in, three local guys, Quentin Hooker from Park Center High School, had Sanjay Lumpkin from Benilde St. Margaret's, that's Jim Peterson's stepson. He played at the University of Northwestern. Then Jamar Diggs, who played his high school ball over at De La Salle. Then Michael Ojo, a big man from Florida State. Those four guys were in for a draft workout on Friday. Told the Wolves still have some interest in acquiring a second-round pick. Philadelphia would be a team to watch since they have multiple Second round picks. Continue to hear that Portland has called the Wolves. Portland has inquired about moving up. Portland has multiple first round picks. As of now, it doesn't sound like the Wolves are interested, but if Portland sweetens its offer, they might be a team to keep an eye on. Also told that Indiana 
is calling many, many teams. So I'm told Indiana has called the Wolves, asking them, because the Wolves have all these assets, all this cap space. They've asked the Wolves about their interest in Paul George. Have not heard if the Wolves are open to any sort of Paul George idea. I do know that Paul George's camp has told teams that, hey, wherever he goes, he's a one-year rental. As of now, now who knows? Maybe he ends up in Cleveland. They win a championship or compete for a championship. He changes his mind. A lot can happen in a year. But as of now, the plan is for Paul George to sign with the L.A. Lakers. Other Wolves notes, Zach Lowe had the note on Twitter on Monday afternoon about, hey, keep an eye on the Wolves when it comes to Andre Iguodala the unrestricted free agent from the Golden State Warriors. I checked with a couple of league people that I trust. These two league people say, hey, we expect him to re-sign with the Warriors. I also think that Zach Lowe made that point saying, hey, if he doesn't re-sign with the Warriors, watch the Wolves. But some people in league circle say it is nearly a foregone conclusion. His camp is looking for some leverage, maybe a few extra dollars from the Warriors. But that Andre Iguodala wants to play for a winner that he's not coming to Minnesota, and now they could offer a ton of money if they wanted to. Would you really do that for somebody about to turn 33 years old? That remains to be seen, but I'm just telling you, league people say Andre Iguodala will end up back with the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins and Ricky Rubio together this week at an Adidas event in Barcelona. Nemanja Bialica on Monday was listed on the Serbia initial 25-man candidate list for Eurobasket, but my intel continues to be that Bielica is unlikely to play. Told he's doing well in that rehab from that foot surgery, but that was a very serious foot surgery that he underwent back in March. I don't see the Wolves supporting him playing just a few months later, even if he's cleared to do some on-court stuff, but I don't have a sense that he has been cleared, so I just don't know how he plays for Serbia come August, but again, he is listed on their initial 25-player candidate list. As for Rubio, he will play for Spain. His intention is to play for Spain in Eurobasket. All right, let's do Twins, then we'll do Wild, finish with Vikings, also some gopher stuff. Anyway, caught up with Sean Johnson, Twins Director of Scouting, late last week at the ballpark. So we did a little draft review. This was technically before they signed Rooker, and before they signed Lewis, Lewis's deal official as of Saturday, Rooker's deal official as of Friday morning. The idea on Rooker is he'll go to Elizabethton for a week or two, get acclimated with playing the outfield every day once again. Then the idea is within a couple of weeks to send him to high A, Fort Myers. So he will skip Cedar Rapids. That's the initial plan. On Lewis, he is off to the Gulf Coast League. That's the same path that Byron Buxton, J.O. Barrios, and others have taken. The Twins expect to sign almost 27 or 28 draft picks somewhere in that vicinity. They fully expect to sign most, if not all, of their top 10 draft picks, or I guess top 11 when it comes to the top 10 rounds. Anyway, here's my conversation with Sean Johnson. Sean, I mean, we talked last week and we said, hey, there's this big spotlight on 1-1, but it's more about the totality of the class as you review, I mean, did you accomplish everything you wanted to accomplish? Happy with the totality of that class? Yeah, I think we uh, we did a good job allocating our funds, as we like to call it, and we spread the money around. We still got players we wanted, and you know, th- from rounds one to you know, into the second day, one through ten, you know, we signed guys that we could normally not select, like we would run out of money, and you'd have to spend so much at the top. So, uh, just the way it played out, you know, we had three or four scenarios for every round, and the way it falls. Hopefully you're, you're shooting for plan A. 
sometimes it doesn't work, so you go to plan B, but we were, we were ready for the scenarios, and I think we did a good job of executing. But overall, when it came to plan A, most of those rounds, did plan A come to fruition? Yeah, I think our plan A worked on day one. Yeah, that's the guys we wanted. And on into day two, the way it worked out, we were able to grab a lot of guys that we think, we think are going to be impact players. On Royce Lewis, I mean, I suppose you can never have enough shortstops, even though there's a lot of shortstop depth in this organization. Yeah. What makes him so good? At shortstop? Um, well, he, he's a high-end athlete. He's got makeup. He believes he's a, short, he's a shortstop and can stay there. And, and we do, too, from our evaluations. From beginning of the spring till up until the draft, we, build, we built steam on the fact that we think he can be a legitimate shortstop. And he's, he's a, you, you draft up the middle of the diamond guys, he can always go back and play center field. There's not like he has to be a shortstop where it's a failure. We look at it as he's going to play in the middle of diamond somewhere. We've seen him play center field a lot in the summer, and we know he can do that. So that, that's real of a backup plan and a safety net and an advantage of taking a guy who can play up the middle and, and is that, that athletic with that kind of speed. Good kid. I mean, mentally, I mean, is he ready for, for the attention that will come with being the first overall pick? Yeah, I mean, this guy is a, like a, two, you know, a USA guy who, when they went to Mexico last summer, and you ask the Team USA guys about him, they'll tell you this was the guy who wanted to be there. He's comfortable being uncomfortable, which is a, you know, a, a great thing. He's, a, he's got resolve. He's tough. Um, he knows he's a good player, but he's humble about it, the way he goes about it. And, um, yeah, we think he's definitely ready to handle pro ball and all the things that are going to come his way, the successes and failures that he will have. And, and uh, he's got the right makeup to succeed and, and fight through those ups and downs that he's going to have along the way. How do you guys have the board stacked? I mean, is it horizontally or vertically? I mean, like, was he one and then somebody else was two? Or were there a few guys on that one line? Yeah, I mean, we had a that, – that's the problem with picking one is, you know, there's four or five guys that you'd love to have. You can't get them all. So, you know, Royce was our guy. You know, we're, we're glad we got him. We're glad it worked out the way it did. And, um, you know, he's kind of been in the back of my mind since the end of last summer when we got done seeing those guys. You know, Royce was always my favorite. And, and it wasn't just my opinion, it was the group of the room. So we're, we're beyond thrilled. On Rooker, I mean, so many good players in the SEC. But, I mean, his numbers stand out above just about everybody's. Was he the SEC Player of the Year? Yeah, Triple Crown winner. It's legitimately the greatest SEC performance by a player ever in that conference, which means quite a bit if you look back historically on big leaguers who came out of that conference. So to do what he did, um, is impressive and to get that bat to go along with Royce and on, on day one we, we got two of our favorite hitters on the board and then on Enlo I mean 76 I mean that's what fans didn't quite grasp that first night but you don't get an Enlo unless you execute the way you did on on that first day yeah I mean the fact that he was still on the board and and was there on day three on day two I should say uh, we were thrilled to be able to get him you know on pick 76 leading off day two so I hope fans know that like, we, we got the guys we wanted. Royce Lewis was our guy. It wasn't about saving money or he was our favorite guy. So I hope everybody gets that. Uh, that's important to our room, you know. And, and I, I see where people get frustrated, like we maybe spent money the wrong way. We spent, we got the guys we wanted, and we were able to, to get a lot of players in the process. I mean, also forgotten, I guess, I mean, on Royce Lewis. I mean, okay, maybe he doesn't get quite the slot. You're still paying him many, many millions of dollars. Yeah, he's getting plenty of money. So, uh, but you know, the way it worked out, and we were able to not have to give him full slot. Uh, we just used that money in different ways. So our total pool money we knew was an advantage from a competitive standpoint, 
And so we got the best of both worlds, the player we wanted and multiple players that we could actually acquire in the process. Are you bringing all the guys to town, some of the guys? Are some of the guys already in Fort Myers? Yeah, there'll be some guys coming in here for, uh, you know, have to pass physicals. We'll bring the first few round guys in here to, to pass a physical before we, you know, get too far down the road. That's step one. So once they pass, the, the contracts get finalized. They'll, they'll report right away next week to either Fort Myers or Elizabethan and, and get going. Who are some of the other day two, day three guys that, that we should highlight? I mean, we can't go through all, what, 41 guys, but how about a couple guys that we can highlight? Um, I mean, you can look down rounds three, four, five, six, and seven. Those guys we, we're going to give significant money to and guys that we would have taken rounds before we got them there. So I, I think, um, you know, off the top of my head, you know, the Bechtolds and uh, De La Torre and obviously Enlow was a big one. Barnes is an accomplished SEC, you know, ACC starter. And, you know, we've got a nice balance of athletes and starting pitching and, you know, we didn't take a catcher. Uh, we didn't think that that demographic of the draft was great this year. So we kind of just went with the strengths of the draft, which you should do every year. Uh, you can't just pull Johnny Bench out of a draft if he's not in there. So we stayed with college pitching and starters was an emphasis on that, trying to acquire and develop starting pitching. So uh, guys that we took, like the leeches of the world, obviously Enlow, those are guys we think we can grow and develop, and which is the hardest thing to do. I mean, starting pitching is the, the, the best trading commodity in the game. Like you have that, you can do things. So. We think we can develop that, and um, you know it'll be good things for our organization. Also, challenges though developing. I mean, any teenager. I mean, even in Royce Lewis's case, you know, being that high-end talent, there's still a lot of development that needs to take place. Yeah, Royce is like I said, he's not a. He looks like he's a polished product when you look at him on paper, from Orange County, and he he looks very polished. He's not really. He's just tapping in, into who he's going to be as a as a human, as a player, as a shortstop, as a teammate. Like the sky's the limit for this kid as far as all those things go. He, he brings a lot to the table. How many draft picks do you anticipate signing? I mean, will it be well over 20? It will be over 20, uh, exact amount. It's probably going to be closer to 30. So we're, we're going to sign a lot of these guys we took, and we think they're upgrades, and we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, what's next? I mean, 2018 draft, I suppose. I mean, the process has already begun, but it really ramps up here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, my outlook will be going forward is how do we improve from this year? How do we make our process better? How do we develop a better culture with our staff? Uh, we got scouts on their way to the Cape. We got guys that will be in Cape Cod tonight. We got guys at a perfect game event that starts tomorrow. So they're right there in front of your face, the next group right away. So we'll get going on those guys in the next few weeks. When you say improve the process, I mean, happy, though, the way the three days went? I mean, there were a lot of people in this room yeah. happy the way everything shook out? Uh, yeah, I mean, you always walk out of here and you feel great about the guys you took. And, and But more importantly for me is the people that were in this room, like we had Tori and LaTroy and, and Cuddy, like they're in here watching tape and breaking down stuff and giving us an opinion. And, and from our IT guys to our data guys to our supervisors who were here, to everybody. We were all pulling in the same direction and it was a lot of fun. I think the energy was good, and, but you're always going to look to try to do things better and improve and that's kind of where I've got my, my focus going forward. Was there healthy debate, which is not a bad thing. I mean, oftentimes that's a good thing. Like Tory, yeah. like Hunter Green, right? I mean, so like was he voicing his opinion, hey, we need to go Hunter Green here? I mean, Tory liked all those guys that, that, you know, he broke down McKay's swing. He looked at Royce's Lewis tape. He looked at, you know, Hunter Green. All those guys we were considering, Kyle Wright, and you know, Latroy went out and saw a few of those guys. So we had different 
viewpoints and and they gave us interesting inputs and we kind of just threw that into the into the discussion and you you want a healthy discussion usually if it's everybody's on the same page you might be on the wrong track so it's good to have a difference of opinion and then you just battle through it Sean Johnson twins director of scouting really good guy just moved here to town a few months ago that was part of the deal with getting the promotion to director of scouting really nice guy very open with his time Sean Johnson from the twins Hey everyone, Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore here from the Touch 'Em All podcast. Now, the Twins might not be very good in recent years, but our podcast is pretty damn good. Phil, that's a little bit of a stretch. Okay, our podcast is is pretty good. Well, okay, we have a podcast. You can find us talking Twins on iTunes, Podcast One, and fifteen hundred ESPN dot com every week. Also on the draft, we had Gophers pitcher, I guess former Gophers pitcher, Lucas Gilbreth on the podcast. Which number was that? 79, so the last one. He officially signed as of Monday. He got slot value, so he was taken by his hometown Rockies. He got just over $200,000. So congratulations to former Gophers pitcher, Lucas Gilbreth. Also on the Twins, no interest as of now in Dylan G. Dylan G. elected free agency. He is a starting pitcher that is available, but the Twins have not reached out on Dylan G. as of now. I will find out for the next Scoop podcast if the Twins attended the Kevin Jepsen showcase. He's throwing for teams in Arizona on Tuesday. But the Twins are very open to doing some stuff, and trust me, they internally at least kick around every available guy. So... Like, for example, Neftali Feliz chose free agency on Monday afternoon. Yet to hear that the Twins have legitimate interest in Feliz, but I can tell you that internally they kick that name around. And if there is a consensus or if there's a majority and the higher-ups, Falvey, Levine, and so on, the analytics folks, if, if there is a consensus or a majority at least, hey, they'll make the phone call, maybe they'll make an offer. But as of now, nothing cooking on any of those pitching fronts. All right, quickly on the wild, a report from Canada. This is not my own original reporting, but worth mentioning that Mike Kitchen, the former Blackhawks assistant coach, turned down wild overtures. So Bruce Boudreau trying to fill the Scott Stevens assistant coaching role, turned down by Mike Kitchen. Montreal had legitimate interest in Marco Scandella. Heck, they probably still do. He's on the exposed the list so they could work out in theory a deal with Vegas I know that Boston and Tampa reached out on Jonas Brodeen we now know what the wild think of Brodeen clearly they value him over Scandella and Dumba as I told Mackie and Judd middle of last week the wild were in on Jonathan Druin before Tampa sent him to Montreal but don't know what the offer was do not know that but do know that the wild expressed interest in Druin, Rapid City ECHL news became official on Monday afternoon. My former intern at Channel 5, Ren Clayton, who works for one of the TV affiliates in Rapid City, South Dakota, texted me Monday morning. He said, hey, dig on this scoop. Rapid City, Rush, Wild entering into an agreement. Well, sure enough, a couple hours later, the Wild made the announcement that they have a new ECHL affiliate, the Rapid City Rush. Let's shift the focus to the NHL draft. Ryan Paling, Lakeville North, St. Cloud State. He forego his senior year at Lakeville North, graduated high school early so he could play collegiate hockey, played with his two older brothers, two twins. So the three of them were on the St. Cloud State team last year. They'll be on the team again this year. 
unless the team that drafts Ryan Paling has some other plans, but the idea is for Ryan Paling to play at least one more year in St. Cloud for the Huskies. Anyway, Ryan Paling is home on summer break, although he's taking some classes online. He heads to Chicago early this week. The draft is on Friday, at least the first round of the draft. Ryan Paling is supposed to be a first-round pick. It appears that his floor is like the mid-20s. I heard Vegas, Tampa, and Los Angeles all have interest. All those teams pick in like the, I don't know, I forget where Vegas is, but like in the 8 to 15 to 18 range. I know San Jose has some interest, the Rangers. Anyway, Ryan Paling absolutely should be a first-round pick. Center, two-way guy, plays a lot of defense. So anyway, I caught up with Ryan Paling to talk all things draft. Is it anxiousness? Is it nervousness? Is it all excitement? How would you describe your emotions? Um, I'd, I'd say excited. I think. I mean, I've I, this is what I've been waiting for for about a year now. So I mean, it's just kind of building up to that to that final step in this, I guess, entire process. So I think I'm excited for what happens, and then excited for it to be done as well. It's been. I mean, it's been a long year. It's been a hard year. So I think it, everything's just exciting for about it. I mean, about the hardest year that you've experienced. I mean, when you make the jump to college hockey and then college classes, living away from home, about the toughest year you've had? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, everything was a first for me. Like you said, moving away from home in college. I mean, like the college lifestyle in general as a 17-year-old, it wasn't easy on me to begin with. So I think it was a lot of first for me, and I took it all in at once, which at the beginning I think was a little too much on my plate. But as it as it kind of thinned out, I, I, I really was excited about the decision I made, and I'm glad that I made that step to St. Cloud last year. Are you one to look at mock drafts? Do you try to figure out, okay, I may go here, I may go there? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a guy like that. I mean, there, there is guys like that, but not me. I think, I mean, I know where I stand as a player. So, I mean, if I go if I go 10th or 28th, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I'm still the same player. When you say you know where you stand as a player, expound on that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I just I just know, I, I guess, where I – I mean, I don't change. Like, if a team takes me 11 or if a team takes me 24, I'm still the same player that I that I am if I, if I did get taken on that 11th. So, I mean, for me, I know, like I said, I know where I stand as in, like, I know who I am as a player and who I can be, so it doesn't change the fact whether I get drafted at 10 or 25, like I said. There's so much of a focus on the draft, mm-hmm. but there's so much work to do thereafter. It's not like the NBA yeah. or the NFL. You get drafted, boom, mm-hmm. you're with that team. You know, so is it hard to, you know, remember all that and say, okay, the draft is just an, a tiny part of this entire process? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's hard for me. I think, I mean, some people may think, oh, I've, I made it, but no, that's, that's not it at all. I mean, it's just, it just kind of shows, hey, like I'm on the right track of what I want to, I want to be when I'm older. I mean, I've always wanted to not just play in the NHL, but have a career. And I think that this, this draft is a stepping stone and says, hey, like I've, I'm on the right track and I'm just continuing to make that step forward to the NHL so for me it's just it's kind of an accomplishment as an effect of hey like this is this is where you're going and I think you're on the right track I know you take pride in being a two-way guy if you had to write a scouting report on you if, if you were a scout for the for the Vegas team or for the LA Kings or you name the team what would that scouting report say about you um just 200 foot player I mean the kid plays defense just as hard as he plays offense which I think a lot of teams respect especially I mean teams that make it in the playoffs I think that's what you need a guy that's going to play defense just as hard as he plays offense like I said and then also I I mean I, I consider myself a, a guy who sees the ice well I mean I have I have great hockey sense and I think that makes the game easier on myself so those are two things I'd say for sure what was most eye-opening about collegiate hockey um I'd say just the strength, the strength overall. I mean, you're competing against guys that are 24, 25 years old. So, I mean, every night's going to be a battle. I mean, those guys have fully developed as a player. And, I mean, me being 17, it wasn't, I mean, I've, that's, what I'm, that's the process I'm in right now. So, I think for me, it was definitely a strength that kind of opened my eye in college hockey. I mean, in hindsight, though, 
about the best decision you've ever made, you know, deciding to, to forego the senior year at Lakeville North and go to St. Cloud? For sure. I mean, maybe not the best, but it's for sure one that I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about again. I mean, I didn't regret it, and if I had to make that decision, I'd go again. I mean, I didn't just grow on the ice. I grew off the ice as a person and as, as a teammate, and I think I learned a lot from the older guys, so I was excited I went. What was the combine like? It was fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, it was. I, it's, it's a lot to handle. Like I told you earlier, I had 30 interviews, so I think... For me, I mean, it was it was hard at the time, but I tried taking it in as much as I could. I mean, not every kid gets to go to the NHL Combine, so I mean, that that was accomplishment itself. So I tried to do my best just to take it all in. The bigger grind, I mean, was it the mental grind? I mean, 30 interviews, trying to impress all these people in these suites, or was it was it the physical testing? Oh, uh, mental for sure. I mean, you, you you like I said, I had eight nine interviews a day. So I mean, when you're when you're doing that, you really have to stay sharp. I mean, you have to remember. I mean, you. You probably reiterate yourself six or seven times in different interviews, but you have to remember, like, hey, these guys haven't heard what you said. So, I mean, it's for sure a mental game, and I think that's that's what was the toughest part of me, I guess. You take pride in it's a really good Minnesota draft class. I mean, when you mm -hmm. think about you and Casey and, and the goalie from Lakeville and, and the two guys going to the Gophers, what, Reedy and is it Konepke? Yep. I mean, you think about you know those five, and I'm probably leaving out a few names. It's a really good Minnesota draft class. Yeah, I mean, even Grant Mismash. I mean, he's he's from Minnesota too. But I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, it's not it's not. I mean, and common, I guess, to say that. I mean, Jake Ottinger and Casey Middlestead. I've I've grown up with those guys, so I mean, I know them really well. And Jake's actually one of my best buddies. So to have that, I mean, live so close. He lives two minutes away from my house. So to be be so close to guys that are, I mean, so I guess, I mean supposed to do well in this draft. I think it's I think it's almost a blessing for this Lakeville community and it's cool to see the guys that I mean see their hard work pay off, I guess. Have you pictured that moment when on that Friday night at, at the United Center when when they say with the blank and blank pick, the blank select Ryan Paling from from Lakeville, you envision that moment? Um, I mean, I haven't I mean, I've obviously thought about it, not envisioned though, but I mean, I, it's it's something that I just I think it's just going to hit me when it happens. I think it's something that I mean, I've I've always seen people. I mean, I remember watching last year the draft with Austin Matthews and stuff, but I, I don't know. I just I just I, it's it's just a thing that I'm just excited to happen, I guess. How much of a family affair will it be? I mean, I'm assuming brothers, mom, dad, mm -hmm. other family, other friends coming down? Um, I think it's just just my small family, my three brothers and then my mom and dad obviously, but I'm there's I mean, Angelo, Angelo Altavilla, one of my better buddies, he was going to come down, but he ended up having a baseball game, so he's he won't be there, but I, I, it'll just be my close family. What's the next year look like? I mean, presumably you're back at St. Cloud. Mm -hmm. I mean, how big is the next year in terms of your development? Yeah, it's 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 a huge year for me. I mean, develop. I mean, this off off season is probably one of the biggest of my of my life so far. I mean, you have to develop as a player on and off the ice. I mean, physical strength. I mean, that's a big part of me that I need to get improve on and I think I've been doing a good job of that this summer so I think next year heading into that year I think it's big for me to see the see the steps taken forward that I that I that I wanted to take last year that I didn't fully take I think that's what I'm, that's what my goal is this year and I want to fully develop as a player before I make that next step into the professional hockey level are there some noticeable physical you know when it comes to your physical maturation are there things you can notice are you 10 pounds stronger now compared to last year I mean are there different measurables that you can say okay I'm making strides yeah I, I, there isn't I mean I haven't checked yet but I, I think vertical is a big one I mean you can't cheat your vertical so I think that's always something I compare it to but I'd say I mean I'm heavier right now I've, I'm 10 pounds heavier already than I ended last season so I think that's a big improvement for myself and I, I still want to continue to get heavier I want to fully grow into this body that I have so I think that's a big improvement as well for me is there still a development in terms of, of being a pure goal scorer? I mean, you take pride in being a 200-foot player, mm -hmm. take pride in your defense, but still, 
you know, from your position, yeah. you know, whether it's setting up your teammates or putting the puck in the net. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what teams really probably want more yes, than anything. Sure. Is there still a step or two that you can take in that regard? Yep, that's, I mean, that's the biggest part for me. I mean, last year I didn't do as good as I wanted to. I mean, it wasn't a bad year in any means, but it wasn't what, I, what I've been used to. So I think that's kind of the step that I want to take offensively is get back to what I'm usually doing like you've seen in high school and I mean in juniors and at that Helenka tournament so that's the that's the Ryan that I want to see next year have your brothers been supportive throughout this process mm -hmm. 100% yeah they, they I think they're enjoying it too I mean they, they love to see me I'm I mean just work hard like how they have and see it pay off so I think it's good for them as well you're looking forward to getting back up to campus and in the fall and getting out of the dorms yeah I am I mean last last time I saw you I was in a dorm room and finally we got a house next year so I'm excited to finally move out of there and have my own room instead of sharing with Jack so so I think that'll be good to finally I guess go up there and not not be in that dorm room like you said I'm excited about that part how do you see your team role playing out over the next year I mean will you get more whether it's power play time penalty kill time you know top six forward time how do you envision your role playing out I think a little bit of that I think a little bit of all that I mean I want to be a guy that you can lean to at the end of the game even if we're down by a goal or up by a goal I want to be one of those guys but I think as a team I think we're going to be really good I mean last year we had 17 underclassmen so I mean and the majority of us stayed so I think heading into next year we have that experience level that that we need to win a college hockey championship I guess how much will you be on the ice this summer um, quite a bit. I mean, I do just Monday through Thursday and an hour at a time, and then sometimes I'll skate Friday at MAP for scrimmages. But, I mean, I'd, I'd say, yeah, Monday through Thursday, just an hour hour each day, and then I'll work out after that. So. And then we were talking off camera, I mean, presumably some sort of prospect camp, and then you'll have oh, yeah. some World Junior stuff? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, obviously the team that drafts me, I'll head to that camp, and then if I get um, the invite, I'll be at that World Junior camp as well. I mean, how much, I mean, how, how great would that be? I mean, you know. The World Juniors. Yeah. I mean, that would be as good as it gets, well, right? Yeah. I mean, I like. I mean, I competed at the Underworlds Championships, won the gold there. So, I mean, I love competing internationally. It's always, it's always an honor to compete for your country. And I think the World Juniors is like the next step, and that that'd be something I'd enjoy doing. I mean, I would think. I mean, just having the USA across your chest. I mean, that says it all right yeah, there. Exactly. I mean, it's it's just, like I like I said, it's an honor, and I think that's something that I want to do. The pride of Lakeville, Ryan Paling, expected first round pick in the NHL draft on Friday night. All right, let's get to the Vikings. Eric Decker signs with the Titans. His family makes their home right outside of Nashville. Tennessee came after him right away. It was a no-brainer for him to sign with Tennessee, but I've been asked a lot, did the Vikings have any interest? I was at Vikings practice on Thursday, and I was checking around, checked with one person in the front office. My intel is, as of Thursday, the Vikings had not inquired about Eric Decker. Now, Decker told the Titans' website that five or six teams came after him. It is believed the Eagles were one, the Ravens certainly did, but who are those other teams? Some mystery teams. Did Denver have an interest in a reunion? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the Vikings did call, but my intel on Thursday was the Vikings had not called. But then the Michael Floyd news drops on Friday, and him and his camp will hold tight to the defense of the T, caused him to have that positive test. He can be tested at any point with you know the technology that now exists. He blew, he blew, what, a .04, a .05, has a court date here in Arizona on, what, June 26th. So we will wait and see what takes place with that court date. I do know that Spielman and Zimmer did all sorts of homework. They did their due diligence on Michael Floyd. They felt like, hey, he's in a good spot. Then he comes here. Then he blows this positive test, what, day 91 of 96. He had, what, five days to go. Then no more with these random any time of the day, night tests. 
yet he tests positive five days before. It just logically doesn't add up. But then again, if somebody has a problem, hey, the problem could spark at any moment. I won't speculate on what I think. I think what I will advise you to do is let's wait and see how it plays out with the court June 26th. Then I believe the Vikings will act thereafter. But there's no sense right this second, as we tape this on June 19th, that the Vikings will release Michael Floyd. And if on next Monday everything is tossed out, the T defense holds up, then Michael Floyd will be here. Michael Floyd's position coach as of now is Daryl Hazel. He came, well, he last coached at the University of Purdue. He was the head coach at the University of Purdue. Let go middle of the season. The Vikings pursued him in the offseason. They got him to sign whenever that was, a handful of months before the draft. Anyway, I had a chance to meet Daryl Hazel, talk to Daryl Hazel on Thursday, the last day of the mandatory minicamp. Here's my conversation with wide receivers coach Daryl Hazel. Coach, with your lengthy collegiate background, what's the transition like been to to the NFL? You know, it's been uh, pretty smooth. Uh, the guys have been great, uh, work extremely hard. Uh, so it's it's been pretty easy. Um, you know, the whole thing is learning the system. Obviously, receiver plays receiver play. You take it up to another level, but uh, uh, it's been a pretty smooth transition. Is there a bit of an excitement to get back to just coaching a position and not have to deal with the headaches of being a head coach? It really is. Uh, just to be able to have the ownership of your own room and be able to teach those guys the different techniques and drills that we need to learn uh, to give us a chance to be successful against good coverage, I think that's the key. You know. What did you know about Stefan Diggs before you got here, and now what do you know about him? Well, I, what I know about him now is he's a tremendous worker. Um, that's probably the biggest quality he has. He, he's, he comes out here, he's early, and he stays late, and uh, he's got tremendous energy throughout the course of practice. But he's a phenomenal player. He's great before and after the catch, um, very explosive. I mean, is there still another level? I mean, he had such a good year. I mean, really, a good stretch of a couple of years. But is there another level to his game, you think? You know, I think he's scratching the surface. Uh, there's some things on the film that you see that he can get better at, and he's working hard to get better at those things. Um, but uh, he, he's, a, he's an open slate right now in terms of learning and, and uh, making sure that he, you know, progresses in, in that natural order. Seeing Treadwell, how hard he works. Is it hard for you to believe that he only had one catch last year? You know, I, I wasn't here last year, so I don't, I'm not sure of everything that happened. But I can tell you this, you know, when a young guy comes in who's so touted uh, coming out of college, uh, there's probably some things that you got to see in, on film, which is, you know, one of the things that I did when I first got here was I went back and watched his, his old Miss film and where he had successes and failures. And then I went back and watched last season and some of the things that um, – where he can get a lot better at, and he has even throughout this campaign. Um, you know, a lot of times the young receivers don't understand how to negotiate some press coverage and those types of things. So he's been a whole lot better. I love where he is right now. Uh, I think he's going to have a tremendous year, and I'm excited about him. So you can glean a lot when guys are not in full pads until obviously we get to Mankato? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can get a lot done, uh, which we have, uh, as long as they're willing to work at it. And, and I have a great group. It's a very deep group, and we'll have some tough decisions to make, but uh, he's, he's doing a nice job. I'm with you. It's a deep group, yet there are still some fans clamoring for a certain free agent that's out there. But in your mind, you guys have enough in that room, don't you? Well, uh, I like where we are. Um, you know, adding Michael Floyd to the room. Jarius has had unbelievable four weeks. 
Uh, so I'm anxious to see him play with pads on. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, Adam has done a, an excellent job, and you got Diggs in, and you got some other guys that are on the come. That uh, we brought some young guys in, Rodney Adams, and you know, Stacy obviously is not where he needs to be right now. But uh, and, you know, a lot of those guys have come a long way here in the last six or seven weeks. I mean, it's right, almost the forgotten guy. I mean, you think about the production he's had in a purple uniform. I mean, going back, but he's almost sort of a forgotten guy. Yeah, well, let's not forget about him, though, because uh, he was a guy, that, in my opinion, that was probably the most consistent throughout the last four weeks of making plays in traffic. And that's where the game's played, you know, in a lot of confrontation situations. Uh, and he's been uh, probably the most productive, one of the most productive, not the most, but one of the most productive. Is my understanding correct that you and the Gophers coach, P.J. Fleck, have, have a history? We do. You know, uh, when I was at Ohio State uh, for those years, P.J. was one of our graduate assistants and did a good job for us. So, you know, we wish him well. I mean, is there a thought? I mean, did you see it then that this guy's a chance to be a really good rising star in the business? Well, I think he's going to do a tremendous job job for those guys. He'll do an excellent job recruiting and getting the right players uh, there to be successful. So, uh, again, wish him luck. I mean, what sort of hurdles? I mean, you know the Big Ten as well as anybody. What are the hurdles in, in winning in the Big Ten? Well, the hur hurdles in the Big Ten, you know, there's so, so much great competition week in and week out. And, uh, you know, some of the schools, if you lose a guy or two guys, your, your depth chart gets pretty thin pretty quickly uh, so it's very important that you get some depth and quality players at, uh, with some depth um, and then you got, obviously got to compete every week and you got to sneak up on a couple people and then you got to be uh, really good at executed execution and those types of things let you go after this I mean with your history in the Big Ten did you have some history with whether it was Fricky? trying to think did you guys match up against Maryland and Diggs I mean what guys do you have that, that there's a history with Fricky we played against we actually played against Jerry's Wright in that Sugar Bowl my last my last game at Ohio State we played um, Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl uh, against Jarius, so that was uh, kind of fun I didn't know him obviously back then but we, we talk about it now um, but yeah we've matched up with a couple guys in the room so it's always fun Mike Mike um, Floyd was one of the guys I recruited uh, became down between us and uh, Notre Dame and um, so it's fun so, I mean, you have a lot of experience in this area. I mean, you must have spent a lot of time over at Creighton High School. Well, we did. We came up here quite a bit, and uh, not only there, but some other schools in the area. So it's great football up here, and they do it right. Coaches do it right up here. New Vikings wide receivers coach Daryl Hazel also had a chance to meet new Vikings running backs coach. He came from UCLA, the former UCLA offensive coordinator. He is Kennedy Palamalu. Kennedy Palamalu. Here's my conversation with Kennedy after Thursday's minicamp practice. Coach, I mean, with your background, collegiate background, NFL background, has the transition been pretty seamless getting back here to the pro game? Yes, it has. We you know with Coach Zimmer and uh, and Pat and Tony and the, you know the rest of the offensive staff has been a really nice transition, and uh, the mindset of the young men that that uh, that I have the opportunity to coach. Uh, uh, you know, you got to credit Coach Zimmer and how he's. Uh, brought that work uh, mentality, the good work ethic, and uh, it's uh, been a nice transition. So, I mean, it's an ideal situation for you landing here. Well, yeah, I think uh, this profession is an idea, you know, ideal situation because it's a, it's a tough profession, and uh, you want to be around people that have the work ethic, that treat the profession the right way, and, uh, and the team that, that wants to... Uh, to do the right things and uh, I think you got to credit Coach Zimmer and that attitude so uh, yeah I'm kind of I'm really humbled to be here but I got to do my part and, and have my role and and do the best I can to help us win. 
Well, I mean, you got some weapons at your disposal. I mean, do you salivate at the thought once these guys get into full pads down in Mankato, the, the possibilities that, that you have? Well, I try to keep the low expectation and overachieve. <laughs> but uh, it's a good group, uh, smart guys, uh, really good work ethic. And uh, they like to compete, and uh, hopefully we can win some games here and uh, get a nice run here for, for the Vikings. Was Dalvin Cook one of those guys that you were pushing for throughout the pre-draft process, saying, hey, can we get this guy, can we get this guy? I think uh, a lot of it had to do with our, you know, with Rick Spielman and, uh, and, and their evaluation, their group of men, that, because I, I did not know Dalvin as, as well as other kids. But uh, on film and everything that, that you see, you can see the work ethic, uh, you can see the intelligence uh, that uh, on film, and then having them here in person, it's just been, uh, uh, it's, it's brings a smile to my face, of course. <laughs> the talent is eye-opening even more so. I mean, what you watch on film, marketedly different when you get him here on the practice field. Yeah, and, and you got to wait for the pads too, you know, um, and just, you know, the defenses uh, are, are not as, uh, the collision doesn't happen, and uh but he has the, I think he has, I believe he has the ability to be pretty good. Jarek, I mean, he's got the ability to be pretty good too. I mean, he looks noticeably thicker in his upper body. He's almost the forgotten guy when you think about Cook, you think about Murray, but we shouldn't be forgetting about McKinnon, should we? I don't think you should forget about any of them. Uh, they're all pretty talented kids. Uh, they're uh, smart. And uh, again, I like the work ethic. And uh, when you have that work ethic, they're always going to get better. And, and then they have that competitive spirit and their style of uh, uh, being competitors has, has really helped them. Latavius Murray, I mean, when he's healthy, I mean, he can do a lot of different things, right? I mean, he's a really good pass blocker. Yes, he is. And uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great camp and the preseason. And uh, that's some pretty good talent there to, to go out there and show the rest of the NFL what we can do. What's the offensive meeting room like? I mean, is Pat one of those guys where he says, okay, Kennedy, you know, what ideas do you have? Is it, is it pretty much an open book in that meeting room where, where it's everybody throw ideas out and let's see what sticks? I, I think uh, the leadership, uh, it's pretty good from the top on down. Uh, the way Coach Zimmer handles uh, the challenges, the assistant, and Pat does the same thing. He challenges us in, uh, in uh, what we uh, can contribute. Uh, the relationship, the open book communication is good, and whatever comes out of that meeting, we're going to do you know do our job the best we can and and understand our role. And uh, I think it's pretty nice. Is there a running back or a fullback that, that is flying under the radar? I mean, we put the focus a lot on Cook and Murray and, and McKinnon, but is there somebody that that we should be taking notice of? Well, I, I think uh, C.J. Ham is a, a really smart kid, tough, uh, athletic. Uh, and then he's playing a dual role, going from fullback back to the running back, the H back, uh, and then the kid that I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to use his name because he's pretty good, and uh, I don't want it, you know, I want to keep him. So, uh, but the the whole group is pretty good for us. Kennedy Palomalu, Vikings running backs coach. My intel on the guy whose name he would not say there, Terrell Newby, undrafted free agent from the University of Nebraska. They really like him. He is a definite practice squad candidate. All right, some Gophers notes. The Gophers basketball players are playing in that Pro City event at De La Salle High School. Game one on Monday, so it's your first chance to check out Jameer Harris, Isaiah Washington, but Reggie Lynch played on Monday, Jordan Murphy. All the guys are playing 
I know they have a website. I don't have the website off the top of my head. In fact, I was talking to somebody with the Gophers. They told me that Diggs was trying to call me. Diggs helps run that. Jamar Diggs. Anyway, we're supposed to connect. Anyway, I hope to get over there at some point when Little League duties are finished. But if you're a Gophers basketball follower, be sure to check out that Pro League at De La Salle High School. Tyus Jones inevitably will pop in over there. Some of the high school guys, but definitely all the Gophers players. Ben Carlson from Eastridge was scheduled to do an unofficial visit with the Gophers on Monday, Monday afternoon. He is a name to watch, six foot nine forward. He will have a number of offers. I know in the class of 2020, Jalen Suggs, who just won gold, under 16. Tournament of the Americas in Argentina. You know, Jalen Suggs, one of the best players in the country in the class of 2020 from Minnehaha Academy. But don't sleep on Ben Carlson. He will have a number of really good offers. Eric Hunter, the three- or four-star guard from the Indianapolis area, he was in town for an unofficial visit over the weekend. On Gophers football, it's another busy week because starting next Monday, it's a dead period. So the Gophers have a satellite camp in Houston this week, in Ohio this week. It is a very busy recruiting week until it dies down next week. The Gophers now up to 17 commitments for the class of 2018, five from Minnesota. You have Sap, you have the kid from Lakeville North, Bo, the guard. You have Span Ford from St. Cloud Tech, Ani from Highland Park. You have Richter from Perm, and I think that would be it, right? Sap from Eden Prairie. So Sap, Bo, Span Ford, Ani, and Richter. We know those guys aren't going anywhere. The 17 could fluctuate, or I guess the other 12 could fluctuate as we get closer to signing day. If other guys say they're on board, maybe better players, but no way are the Gophers messing with their five Minnesota verbal commitments. I'll get to a quick Wolves note. One more Wolves note in a second, but more love for Vine Park Brewery. Vinepark.com, right off of West 7th Street in downtown St. Paul. On Twitter at Vine underscore Park underscore brew the twin cities we know is becoming a craft beer haven but why don't you see how brewing chops stack up by swinging into vine park brewing the only brewery in the midwest where you can brew your own beer and this is the key part make your own wine perfect for parties and corporate events you brew your own beer you brew your own wine you take it home in 22 ounce bottles it's perfect for a gift it's perfect for sharing they've got custom labels When it comes to beers, you think about all the flavors, pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, and wheats. They have the right recipe for you. Check out Vine Park Brewery. Again, the website, vinepark.com for more information. The phone number, 651-228-1355. I don't think I mentioned in Scoop Podcast episode 79 that seven-year NBA veteran Tyler Hansbrough, remember, won a national championship at North Carolina, former Pacer, former Raptor, former first-round pick Tyler Hansbrough. He took part in that Wolves free agent camp early last week. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode number 80. Again, the plan is whenever the schedule allows, maybe sometime Wednesday, it could be Thursday morning, but it could be maybe sometime Tuesday, to do an NBA draft-centric podcast. I'll try to track down maybe Sam Mitchell, maybe Brian Windhorst, maybe David Thorpe. I'll come up with a couple guest ideas so I can have a little byplay, a little back and forth, so it's not all me monologuing for 20 or 30 minutes. But certainly it will be a very busy week for the Wolves, for the entire NBA. Heck, I just saw the news that David Griffin is done with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's always something in the NBA, busy week in the NHL as well. But certainly the NBA, somebody who favors the NBA, I'm just more a basketball guy than a hockey guy. 
This is a great time of the year. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Scoop Podcast Episode 80. We'll be back with Scoop Podcast Episode 81 soon.